Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we follow our curiosity, diving deep into the familiar and the foreign. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, explore intriguing ideas, and have real conversations with the best guests. Ready for something different? Let's get started. The Twin Flames Universe, or TFU, is the subject of a recently published three-episode documentary series on Netflix featuring Dr. Yanya Lalich, an internationally renowned expert on cults and coercion and the author of several books on the subject of cults, including most recently Escaping Utopia, Growing Up in a Cult, Getting Out, and Starting Over. We were so lucky to speak with Dr. Lalich earlier this year. Do you remember that, Walker? Oh, how could I not? It was a fantastic interview. Dr. Lalich has an extensive understanding of the mechanics of the modern-day cult. And of course, she herself is a cult survivor. Yeah, and I think that experience gives her a particularly personal perspective. Dr. Lalich spent around 10 years as part of a radical Marxist-Leninist group, the Democratic Workers' Party in California, led by Professor Marlene Dixon. Over time, Dr. Lalich came to understand that she had become enmeshed in a political cult. She was a high-ranking member of the group, working long hours to exhaustion, and she was also harassed, threatened, and emotionally abused. Finally, she and a few others staged a revolt, and she broke free, but it was not without its trauma. I've followed her work quite closely, as this topic has always fascinated me. And when I heard that she was recently involved in this documentary, I totally binge-watched it right away. Yeah, I did too. Escaping Twin Flames was produced by the Emmy-nominated filmmaking team behind Seduced, Inside the Nexium Cult. So this new documentary series investigates the Twin Flames universe. Had you ever heard of TFU before this documentary, Harris? I hadn't, though I have to admit I've now totally gone down the rabbit Mm -hmm. hole. In a nutshell, the Twin Flames universe is predominantly an online community that was founded by Jeff and Shalia Devine, and it promises through their workshops, coaching, and training that you will find your twin flame, which is a divinely determined true love. And in fact, they promise it. Right. The filmmakers of the recent Netflix documentary, Cecilia Peck and Inbalby Lesnar, claimed that after they released their documentary series on the Nexium cult, they were bombarded by messages about the Twin Flames universe. And so the three-year investigation into the whole Twin Flames organization began. The documentary claims to have uncovered what is a controversial community. Dr. Lelich identifies it as a high-control group and draws parallels with characteristic cult organizations. The argument laid out alongside the testimonies of ex-followers is really quite compelling. Mm -hmm. Though TFU, of course, denies any allegations that they are a cult. It's no surprise, though, that people are drawn to TFU because the promise of finding your true love is really pretty appealing, particularly if you've had trouble with past relationships. It is. In some cases, though, it seems some people were also told that they had already found their twin flame, Hmm. even if that relationship hadn't or wasn't working out. Right. Ex-TFU members disclosed that they were encouraged to pursue their ex-partners with one woman apparently ending up in prison for stalking. Yikes. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating how powerful online communities can have both a really positive influence, or they can also obviously operate in nefarious ways too. And this is probably why coercive cults have found a foothold online. Dr. Lalich talked about this in our interview. Since the pandemic, we've seen the rise of internet-based cults. And so that's a fairly new phenomenon. 
before that, we always had what I now call the the kind of run of the mill brick and mortar cults, right? You, like you knew where the cult was, you knew who the leader was, you knew where their compound was or where their centers were or whatever, right? So it was much easier to follow what they're doing, to make an analysis of of what they're doing or of the leader. Whereas with the internet-based cults, you don't always know that. It's much more amorphous. That need for connection was at an all-time high during and post-pandemic, so it's not surprising really. But the leaders of the Twin Flames universe are quite obviously out there and doing their thing with 66,000 followers in their Facebook group. Wow. So who are Jeff and Shalia? Well, they're a pretty interesting pair. Jeff was actually born as Jeffrey A.N. and has had a couple of name changes along the way. He grew up in Lapeer, Michigan, and he had a pretty inquiring mind, by all reports. He graduated from Western Michigan University's Business School in 2010. After that, he sold all of his stuff and bounced from a subsistence farm in California and then on to Hawaii, changing his name on social media to Ender Ianathos. He met Megan Plant, a Canadian, online, and the pair started dating. Two years later, Jeff and Megan, who is now known as Shalia, met for the first time in person. And these two are, of course, the OG Twin Flames, which launched the Twin Flames universe. Well, they both struck me as a bit woo-woo in the documentary, among other things, of course. Yeah, well, I think Shalia is more new agey than Jeff Mm. is. She's into tarot and pendulums and all of that stuff, whereas Jeff is more of the business brain. Okay, so back to the twin flame thing. The fundamental philosophy that each of us has one destined partner is not really a new concept, is it? No, it's actually a pretty ancient idea. In fact, it's thought to have origins in Plato's Symposium. Mm. In that ancient treatise written around 385 BCE, Aristophanes, a playwright, claimed that the gods were once jealous of our four arms and four legs. So they split us down the middle into two parts. We are then walking the earth just one half of a whole. So if we ever meet our other half, we pursue them, wanting to reunite with them. Wow, interesting. So I imagine a twin flame to be essentially a soulmate or like your other destined rightful half. Mm -hmm. But can't we find these on our own without someone's help or a whole series of courses on the subject? Yeah, and I don't think Jeff and Shalia would actually argue that point because they found each other on their own Mm -hmm. online. But TFU has built a very lucrative business around the very promise that with the help of an ascension coach and of course, working through all of the courses, you can find your other half. But of course, this costs thousands of dollars to complete. TFU also has a trauma counseling business called the Mind Alignment Process and even a meal plan arm called Divine Dish. But they do have a few free offerings to get you started, of course. (laughs) And it's all available online, in your pocket, on your phone, with you, wherever you go. Yeah, always. Everything is just so readily available online these days, Mm -hmm. right at your fingertips. It can be hard to separate the valuable and worthy from the empty and even fraudulent. Dr. Lalich said something that resonated with me on this, Harris. This is a very quick fix society, right? Everybody's looking for that quick answer. You know, they don't want to do years and years of therapy. They want to go to a life coach who's going to make their world wonderful all of a sudden, right? And so what adults need to do, and even teens of a certain age, is like, don't jump at the first thing that comes along. Slow down. Do your research. As much as there are cults recruiting on the internet, there is also scads and scads of information on the internet. So check things out. See what people who've been part of it say. 
ask a lot of questions. If your questions get turned back on you, you know that's not a good sign. Definitely not a good sign. She's so right too. There is so much information available out there. Reviews, comments, opinions, articles. I mean, would you hire a contractor without reading the reviews or choosing a resort to stay at? I mean, I read them all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's better to be informed than have a nasty surprise later. Yes, but of course, coercive individuals and cults are quite sophisticated. So tell us, Harris, why would it be thought that the Twin Flames universe is a high control organization? Well, Dr. Lalich outlines a few characteristics that are common to these groups. Her website found at yanyalalich.com is a wealth of info on the topic. Okay, so this might seem obvious, but cult followers are extremely loyal and committed to the leader. Mm-hmm. They regard the leader's belief system, ideology, and practices as the truth, as law. Right. She says, The leader is generally the, the founder of the belief system and, you know, starts promoting this belief system, the transcendent belief system. And that means that it's a belief system that offers you the answer to everything, your past, the present, and the future, Right. And an important aspect of the belief system is that it follows a philosophy that believes in the end justifies the means. So whenever you have an end justifies the means philosophy, that basically means that anything goes, right? You can be asked to do anything. And as long as they're telling you it's for a greater goal, you're expected to comply. That's where a lot of trouble comes in. Right. I can absolutely see how that would lead to trouble, particularly if the leader is only interested in their own gain. Uh Uh-huh. And that's a hallmark of cults. The leader or leaders dictate how members should think, act, and feel. And in the case of TFU, according to the documentary, they dictate the expression of their members' gender. Yeah, I found this particularly troublesome. Me too. The Twin Flames universe apparently teaches that in order to discover and be united with our Twin Flame, we must recognize that we are each divinely designated divine masculine or feminine. But this is very black and white, Walker, which we know is not how everybody interprets or experiences their gender. And of course, this becomes incredibly complicated and disturbing when in the documentary, ex-members tell of how Jeff and Shalia often assign divine gender to their members. In one case, they assigned one high-ranking female member as divine masculine, encouraging her to cut her hair, dress differently, and even change her name and pronouns. Yeah, that would be very confusing and distressing. Some members apparently even fully transition following the gender assignment from Jeff and Shalia. Mm -hmm. And I fully support transgender rights and everyone's freedom to identify as they wish, but I do not think anyone should tell another person what their gender should be. Exactly. So how do people find themselves in these situations, completely under the spell of these leaders, perhaps doing and acting in ways they wouldn't otherwise? Dr. Lalich explains here what they look for when they're recruiting members. They look for um, smart people. They look for educated people in most cases. Um, They look for someone who can bring in connections, uh, you know, people who will lend legitimacy to the group. They look for people who can fundraise. They look for good workers. So this idea that it's only stupid, weird, crazy, lazy people who get into cults is the exact opposite. I think this is so interesting because, of course, it's so hard to imagine becoming a victim of a cult, but it happens to very intelligent streetwise people. 
Dr. Lalich also says that many cults and their leaders claim that they have access to some special knowledge or an elite status that is only available to the enlightened. Like the many doomsday cults, only they know when the end is coming and how to prepare for it. Right, Walker? Right. Do you remember David Koresh and the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas? Oh, do I ever. That all went down the year I met my hubby. Well, he preached that the apocalypse was imminent and that he was the Messiah. In the end, 80 members died at his compound during the standoff with the FBI, including children. Apparently, Koresh's followers started the fire themselves. Isn't that crazy? Mm. And terrible about the kids. Interestingly, according to the documentary on the Twin Flames universe, Jeff Devine compares himself to a Messiah too. Jesus, literally with side-by-side headshots, which is kind of kooky. And taking the last name Divine is also a little telling too, don't you think? Yeah, that's interesting. TFU has even created a religious arm of the organization called the Church of Union. Right. The documentary indicates that establishing themselves as a church helps to keep more of their income in their own pockets. And many cults do establish themselves as religious organizations for other reasons, too. People are often drawn to communities that offer a greater spiritual connection with a higher power. Even Christianity started off as a sect of Judaism in its earliest stages, of course, and they were considered a radical group then, rejected by both Jews and the Romans of the time. That's pretty interesting to consider. And of course, Jesus would have had to have been a pretty charismatic leader. People who were close to him felt closer to God. Exactly. Take, for example, the infamous Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. This is a splinter sect of Mormonism led by the now incarcerated Warren Jeffs. Jeffs is the high priest apostle of FLDS. Now, Jeffs is one crazy dude who says that God speaks directly to him and expresses his will. And that's something people want to get close to. Of course, Jeffs was and is a big fan of polygamy. He himself had 87 wives, some of whom were his own stepmothers. Yuck. But even worse, he encouraged child marriage with girls as young as 12 years old, which is disgusting. And man, was he ever controlling. FLDS members were not allowed to play sports, observe holidays, watch television, read books, have dogs, dance, member Footloose Walker, or even wear the color red. There is, of course, much more, but way too long to list here. But he still sends out edicts to his followers from his jail cell, instructing them to do this and to do that. So what's the status of Jeffs and the FLDS now? Well, he's in jail for life in Texas, thank God. But apparently he's still running his so-called church from behind bars. Well, that's terrifying. It sure is. Unbelievably, it's estimated that his followers still number in the thousands. But you know what really gives away that a cult is a cult? It's when the leadership teaches that the end goal they are preaching is always justified, no matter what you might have to do to get there. And this, of course, may result in members participating in behaviors or activities that they would have considered reprehensible or unethical before joining the group. Often, the leaders achieve this through coercive behaviors to influence the membership. Take, for example, Nexium. Now, this cult was extreme. Originally, the leader, Keith Ranier, and Nancy Saltzman, a former psychiatric nurse, set it up to be a self-help organization that offered executive success workshops and courses. They gained a following quickly, apparently painting a picture of fantastic success for the potential recruits, and they bought it. 
But as Peck and Lesnar illustrated in their documentary, Nexium and its leader then exerted frightening control of its members once they had a hold on them, encouraging them to recruit women into what was later coined as a sex cult. Women were coerced into sex with Ranier and were forced into free labor in support of the organization. It also had a sadistic master and slave structure in which the women started as slaves and only achieved master status after they had reached their own personal recruitment goals. Not surprisingly, Ranier is now currently serving a 120-year sentence. So how did these leaders accomplish this? Dr. Yanya Lalich lays it out here. They know exactly how to push your buttons so that you comply over and over and over again. And a lot of it is based on fear. Um, So over time, uh, the person becomes almost like a little microcosm of the cult because they have completely been, been induced to buy into this belief system, have complete and total obedience and loyalty to the leader, and follow whatever orders they're given. And of course, the added factor is that there's almost always some type of exploitation, whether that's physical abuse, sexual abuse, or financial abuse. Yeah, it's truly terrible. Cult survivors tell of horrific abuses while in these organizations. Dr. Lalich herself describes the abuse that she and others in the cult she fell victim to. Verbal, physical, and emotional abuse, that is very hard to recover from. Most definitely, if you manage to get out at all. Mm. Cult leaders use shame, guilt, and fear, or even the promise of love to keep a firm hold on their members. Watching this documentary, it was so painful to see the mothers of TFU members suffering, having been estranged from their children for literally years. I can't even imagine that. I know, I can't either. It's like your kids disappear from your lives altogether. Yes, and Dr. Lalich has said that this is also common to all cults. Often membership either requires or leads to cutting ties to family and friends. In Dr. Lalich's words, they attack the self. The whole point of cult recruitment and cult indoctrination is to attack the self, right? To kind of take you apart, get you to not trust yourself, not trust your instincts, don't trust anyone else, just the cult leader. And of course, a cult leader is not accountable to any authorities, unlike, for example, teachers, military commanders, or leaders of mainstream religious denominations, making their followers all the more vulnerable and isolated from society. Yeah, but thankfully, it's not impossible to escape cults. And we have seen many survivor accounts in popular media of late. These are smart people who have had lives, jobs, families. They've had some foundation in normal life, aside from children who are born into cults, of course. Did you know that Jeff and Shalia had their first child this year? Yes, they covered that in the documentary. Oh, okay. So aside from children who are born into a cult's belief system, at some point, it's likely that things are not going to jive. Dr. Lalich has a great analogy for this. She says to think about having a shelf at the back of your mind where all your doubts live. You can keep it there, hidden in the dark, dusty recesses, but one day something will happen and that shelf will break. As she says, The way I see it is that everybody in a cult has doubts, has questions, even the true believers. 
I think there are a few more red flags we can mention too that people might want to look out for Harris. Okay. If your new yoga community therapy group or political posse is preoccupied with bringing in new members and making money, this might make you think twice about getting any deeper with them, Mm. particularly if you are expected to volunteer insane amounts of time to the group to the exclusion of your regular job or activities. Right. And we need to be clear. Cults come in all shapes and sizes. As you say, it can be a group offering fitness, self-help, love, political ideology, just about anything. In our interview in the spring with Dr. Lalich, we even discussed the one-on-one cult or a family cult. Walker, I did get the impression from the series that TFU members were expected to work for the organization, right? Particularly those higher up in the hierarchy, closer to Jeff and Shalia. Some of the ex-members reported working full-time for the organization for next to nothing or even unpaid. They had all kinds of roles, coaches, marketing, digital media, you name it. According to the TFU website, though, they deny that they improperly profit at all from their members. I should mention, too, that if your newfound community encourages you to live or socialize only with other members, that should also sound the warning bells. It should, because that's a really good way to keep everyone under the thumb of the leader. Uh, And TFU, they have dreams of purchasing land for a compound of some sorts, right? For everybody to live. Interesting to note also, Jeff and Shalia started to assign twin flames within their membership, matching TFU members to each other. Coincidence? I'll leave that for you to decide. Interesting point, Harris. What's scary is that once followers are fully under the spell of the leaders, these people, these loyal members or true believers, feel that there can be no meaningful life outside the group. They can't see any other way to be, or even if they do, they're afraid of reprisals if they leave. Yeah, well, you have to think that if you have invested that much time, often money, and so much of yourself into something, likely you don't have much else to turn to in your life. And in some cults that control through intimidation and harassment, it can actually be dangerous to leave. I watched Leah Ramini's documentary, Scientology and the Aftermath. Now that was downright frightening. Apparently, she is suing the Church of Scientology and its leader, David Miscavige, for harassment, defamation, surveillance, and other unlawful behavior resulting in psychological torture. She's also said that the church has retaliated with even more aggressive harassment since launching her suit, which is so crazy. I think it takes huge fortitude to, first of all, walk away and then take on a cult head on. Apparently, one of the family members who appeared in the Twin Flames documentary was served with a defamation lawsuit by Jeff and Shalia for speaking out in a Vice article, but it has since been dismissed. Louise Cole hasn't had any contact with her daughter for years, but she is not backing down. She's got courage and a mother's love. Dr. Lalich does have advice for family members whose loved ones may have become prey to these coercive and controlling organizations. Even though it may be next to impossible to understand what your son or daughter or friend or father or mother might see in their newfound community, don't ever close communication. Never cut that person off. Never. They they may cut you off, but don't ever cut them off. No matter what you do, try to stay in communication. They need that lifeline when the shelf at the back of their minds finally snaps and the reality of their situation comes into focus. Mm -hmm. So what happens next to survivors? It must be tremendously difficult. I can only imagine. 
You would emerge likely estranged from everything and everyone you knew. You might not have a job or even a resume for that matter, but there's fortunately support for cult survivors out there. The Lalich Center offers psychoeducational recovery courses, workshops, discussion groups, and continuing ed to survivors. There, people can find support and guidance that specifically can address cult and trauma recovery. And there are many similar professional organizations that provide assistance to cult survivors too. A referral from a psychologist or medical doctor might be the best thing to start. Well, there certainly is a need. It is almost impossible to determine how many cults are in operation around the world today, but it was estimated not too long ago that there were likely as many as 10,000 operating in America alone. That's really crazy. That's a lot. It is a lot. But listen to this, Walker. Okay, this is nuts. I was driving to Ikea last night with my youngest kid during rush hour. I don't know what we <laughs> were mistake. thinking. Yeah. Anyway, we were stuck in traffic and we were stopped in front of this very unassuming concrete block strip mall. And right in the center of it was this place, Church of Grace or something like that. So because this is all on top of mind for me, I had my kiddo research it and man did the red flags go up. It was right there. For all to see in Midtown Toronto. So what did the Google search come up with? Well, for one, the leaders were referred to as elders. Mm -hmm. Only men can be elders in this little place, according to their website. This seemed very prescribed to me and set within a pretty well-outlined belief system that did fall within the larger construct of Christianity. So it may not have been a cult per se, but I won't be sending my kid to Sunday school there. Let's just say that. Weird. So tell me, what is the difference between religion and a cult? It seems that the boundaries are a bit porous and gray. Yeah, well, some cynical people think it's only a matter of numbers. Like once a cult reaches a critical mass, it becomes a religion. But I think that is an overgeneralization. Reverend Dr. Richard L. Dauhauer makes a few more distinctions in his guidance for clergy in his book, Recovery from Cults. He says that cults discourage free thinking and discussion, whereas on the other hand, religion encourages it, and that religion embraces, supports, and treasures family, whereas cults often seek to isolate members from their friends and family. Okay, makes sense. So what else? Well, one key difference might be evident at the very outset. So when one converts or joins a religion, the new member is often encouraged to reflect upon their commitment, they're given time to process, and they're often also provided with education with an opportunity for discussion. It's open and supported. Reverend Dauhauer notes that often membership to cults, though, is quick, without much room for reflection, leaving the member no space to think things through. And again, as Dr. Lalich mentioned, faith leaders of organized religion are usually accountable to others. Mm-hmm. Cult leaders are usually only accountable to themselves, way up there on their self-made pedestals. That's right. I think documentaries like this recent one on the Twin Flames universe are really important. They're a public service to remind us all that there are charismatic, conniving, self-interested people out there that conspire to rope you in for their own betterment and often at your own great misfortune. We might all think that we wouldn't fall into the trap of a cult, but I'm sure that's what all of these survivors thought too. I would imagine you're right, Harris. Eyes open, Walker. Watch out for those red flags. If you would like to watch the documentary Escaping Twin Flames, it is playing now on Netflix. We've provided a link for you in our show notes. We also encourage anyone experiencing any interaction with a high control group to seek help. It's out there. One great place to start is at the Lalich Center, where you can find resources, support, and guidance. 
Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your host, Harrison Walker. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review our show. It helps us grow and expand our reach. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you.